Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. Um, yeah, just to take the chance again to remind us about the, the mission of Bridge City Church. We're called Bridge City Church for a reason. We're here to create bridges, to build bridges into the community and, and connect ourselves, to, to allow people to walk in, to be a part of our community and also embrace the living Saviour. That's our mission, to be here. We're not, and so it's every time, bridges take time, they take expertise, they take resources to build. So that's what we're committed to, to, being, to, doing, to investing those resources into that place, into this place, into this mighty town of Murray Bridge. Um... Just want to think of a fun fact this morning. I always try and tell you something a little bit about myself so I begin to build a picture. I guess the first thing today is I've got my flash clothes on. Look at that, hey? I've had <laughs> at least five people say, You look very well, well dressed this morning, Paul. So I don't know what I usually dress like. I'm not sure. <laughs> I left my overcoat, my good overcoat that I always wear to church at, back at the farm. So this is my wedding attire. This is my. I don't have to do anything at the wedding, I can go and enjoy myself outfit, so there you go. <laughs> but I've also got my work boots on still, so there you go. <laughs> so this morning, I just better, better just going to pray before I begin. <sighs> Father, I just pray that I come, understand that I can bring nothing in my own strength. And Lord, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart today will be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Amen. A series of questions this morning. First one is, what would you do if you had three years to live? Now, before we talk about that, we understand that many of us have been, an, or have been a part of someone's journey when they've faced a loss. We understand that. But what I'm not talking about that. I'm saying it in, what's the date today? June the 11th. In the, so three years, 2004, 2007, 2027, 2027, June the 11th, 2027, 26, that's three years, doing the, your life, that would be it, that would be, that would be, your, that would be your life. Yeah, and not necessarily um, in the, in the state you are now, but when you were in your prime, when you're fit and you're gorgeous and full of energy and drive. Most of us already are, aren't we? <laughs> Let's be honest, we are. But yeah, I guess what would you do? If we reflect back, what would we do differently? What would we put in place to ensure that three years left a legacy that was important, that actually meant something? What would we do? So what would it last? I guess the thing that I reflect on <clears throat> is that Jesus had just three and a bit years as he started his ministry and he built a church that continues to grow. It's every moment of every day it's expanding. The kingdom of God continues to expand. Even when we're asleep, it continues to expand. People are being saved and brought into the kingdom. And that was 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Okay, so I've got a few of a question. But second question is... Bible scholar, so it was Jesus' first miracle. Well done. 
I brought my pocket of lollies today. Pop, can you just run that to that young gentleman at the back? He won. He did such a good job. That good-looking bloke back there. He'll, he'll put the honest one. Will put up his hand. I'm sure. We do this all the time in Lamaree, so they, you should come to Lamaree sometimes. That was his first miracle. But what was his first ministry act? What was his first ministry act? You can have a guess, absolutely. Yeah, that's not what I'm asking you for. You always should know the answer to the, answer to the question before you ask it. That's right. His baptism, that was done to him, was the first thing that he did, in my own humble opinion. He stood and called it, I believe he called, that's your, we'll have a theological argument after even about that. I believe the first thing, the first ministry he did was he called, his, he stood on the beach and he called his, the first of his disciples. He began to gather his disciples together. He selected a few good men. Simply to invite, he simply invited them to follow him, didn't he? He just said, come along on the journey. Let's do this journey together. And, um, and we talked about the fact, the incredible impact that he had as he shared, as he, as he shared, really he spent a lot of his time sharing and speaking into those 12, those 12 men. That's what he did to prepare them for what was going to come for those guys. And they went on and they, as they through the spirit in them, built the church that we, we understand and know and love today. Yeah. And what should that encourage us in? I've talked about this before too so many times. What's the exciting part about that? Is they were a ragtag, well not ragtag, that's a task. They were a very diverse group of people. They had various, lots of different world opinions and different ideas about how things should be done. Different skill sets, different histories. And yet, Jesus chose those people to be a part of the journey. It encourages me. Margaret Mead, I've shared this quote before as well, that Margaret Mead said, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful and committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. And so often Jesus chose to invest in the one person. He would tell you there and invest the one. We've got simple examples of that that are dotted through the Bible all the time. The story of Zacchaeus. Yeah. That transformation in his life, which goes on and actually impacts the entire town. Now, Zacchaeus wasn't famous or influential or popular. He was actually quite infamous in the, in the way that people saw him. He was despised in many... I'll put that down so I don't play with it. Quite the contrary, he was infamous. Nobody was prepared to give him the time of day. No one was really interested in Zacchaeus. But Jesus came and sat with him. He didn't just come and stand with him, pray with him, but sat there, went to his household and invested time in Zacchaeus. And that went on to transform the entire city. We understand the story of the woman well in, in John 4, the same thing. He sits with that woman, shares with, obviously, it doesn't outline the timeline, but he sat there long enough for her to go back and recall the, the entire village to come and be a part of what Jesus had shown to her, the revelation that that river of living water. Yeah. Jesus, yeah, Jesus chose to journey them with them for a season. As I said before, he didn't just reach out, pray a prayer, anoint them with oil and go on, did he? He's, he took the time to fully focus on that person at that point. 
And again, I've said this many times since I've stood at the front, that one of the greatest gifts we can give a person is to give them their, our full attention, our full attention for the moment when we stand in front of them. Jesus is the ultimate people person I've got written in my notes. As I said before, so with those central 12, he invested much of his time in just teaching them, rebuking them, just hanging out with them and allowing them to do life and to, for his influence to rub off and to be taught in that. And again, we understand then John's records that right up until the very end, hanging on the cross, he was still giving instructions to his disciples at that point. Yeah. So that's the question I want to speak to you this morning. If you had three years to live, what would you invest in? If you had three years to transition to a completely different life and leave a legacy where you are now, who would you spend your time with? Thought bubble. Let's step it up a little bit. What if I said you had 24 hours to live? Now, as I prepare for this message, I googled 24 hours to live. It's always a dangerous thing to do. Because there must be a film that uh, talks about um, a man's uh, endeavour to murder as many people as he can to exact revenge in that 24 hours. So don't do it. It's pretty, pretty bloodthirsty. Don't do it. But again, if you were fit and strong and healthy, again, shedding that fitness picture of illness or decay, but being fit and strong and healthy... And that's the way we're called to run our race. I mean, challenge to step it up, to go that bit harder, because time is short. I really believe that time is short in every aspect of our life. Yeah. We read in John's Gospel the, the account of that 24 hours. If we read Matthew and, and Mark, they give us two chapters of, of that gap between of that 24-hour period. But John spends seven chapters reflecting recounting the discourse that Jesus, the things that he did and the things that he said to the, to the people, a long, a long investment in that, in that statement. Yeah. So in that gospel, in John's gospel, we have a real impression of what that 24 hours might have looked like. What did Jesus do when he had those 24 hours? Number one, he gathered his friends together and they shared a meal together. They spent that time together. We just see the humanity. God was, Jesus is fully God and fully human. He was, he was keen to spend that time with his precious friends. Number two, he did a divine download into the lives. He emphasised yet again his sonship and where he'd come from and where he was going. That beautiful scripture, John 14, 1, which if you've been to a funeral, we hear that so many times. It's important because in knowing where we come from and where we're going, we can face the challenges that come. I'll say that again. When we're knowing where we come from and where we're going, we can face any challenge. Jesus was in that place. He knew who he was and knew who he was going. Number three, plain speaking. In that gospel, the, the disciples stated to Jesus, at last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. At last. What a joy that was for those guys. And I really believe that as time is short, then there is, that, there is a moment, a time for plain speaking. There's, there's moments in our lives when time is short 
then we need to choose to be bold and speak clearly and definitively about our reason for our hope. And that's a real challenge for me. How do we find, how do we find a way to share our, our hope to the people outside of, of our church family that they can connect with? Because so many of the people that are around us now don't have, didn't go to Sunday school, didn't have any heritage in faith. How do we do that? I encourage you to spend some time and reflect on how I can share my story of hope in a way that someone who's never heard about Jesus or God can, can grasp. I think that's a really valuable thing for us to be doing. Number four, he prays for his disciples. He says, my prayer is not for the world but the ones you gave me. And he prays for his disciples. He actually prays for us in that season. He prays for the entire church as well at that point. But before he does any of that, what does he do? Another question, another twix up for grabs. Before he has that discourse, in chapter, he begins that in chapter 14. What happens in chapter 13? Oh, well done. Well done. Fantastic. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. That's what he does. Yeah. I want to read that, just an excerpt of that scripture to you right now. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper when the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he would come, up, he would come from God and return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Hmm. You won't belong to me. So picture this, the Son of God who had just raised Lazarus to life. We, as we prayed this morning, we talked about that prospect of uh, uh, beyond hope, beyond even beginning to even imagine that someone would be raised from the dead after four days, who's made this triumphant entry into Jerusalem as the king, hailed as the king, strips down, lays himself bare and proceeds to wash the feet of his followers. That's a picture in my mind that just... I can't shake. Well, listen, 24 hours to go, he proceeds to wash the feet of his students. If you know where you came from and you know where you're going, you can do anything. It doesn't really matter what you do, even what's, whatever what's people choose to do to you. If you know where you're coming, been coming from, if you know where you come from and know where you're going, it doesn't matter. Our identity determines how we conduct ourselves, particularly as people of faith. We understand we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. 
That's good news. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That picture of servant leadership for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. He was prepared to go to the cross, the humiliation, the pain and the degradation for us. And you can only imagine what the feet of a smelly disciple... I know what my feet are like after a hard day's work. I just can't imagine what it would be like to front up to 12 smelly feet or 14, 24 Yeah, just done in. It's a job done by the lowest of the low. So many years ago, we spent some time in China, um, and in China and in many um, countries, um, everyone's trying to sell you something. Everyone's trying to turn a dollar, make a make a quick bit of money because there's no pension, there's no welfare. So if, if you you don't if you don't work, you don't get paid. You don't you don't eat. It's always good to eat. So on every street corner there's a vendor trying to sell you something and oftentimes one of the most common ones that I saw were the shoe shine vendors down the corner of the thing. Carolyn's nodding her head, she remembers that. So they'd have their little stool set up on the corner usually and You'd place yourself in front of them like that, usually a little bit higher up, and they'd sit there and they'd shine your shoes for you. And um, it was just a great picture of someone submitting themselves to you, sitting down in front of you, because at that point, um, they, are, they are almost submitted to you at that point. They're at your feet and you're, you're standing, sitting above them. And it was a really profound moment as I sat there. The uh, unfortunate thing about the one time that I did get it done, I went to a, it went to Beijing. That's right to get my shoes shined, and um, we'd done the deal. And I knew that the going rate to do the job was four yuan, which is four times twenty cents. So it's eighty cents to get my shoes shined. No, three yuan. Sorry, did I say four? Three yuan was the going rate. Anyway, so the lady, when we finished charge, had the audacity to charge me four yuan. And to, to my continued uh, embarrassment, I remember that we spent some time arguing for about a minute and a half over 20 cents. 20 cents. For someone who sat down in front of me and washed the snot and the spit and the dirt off my shoes. Seven. Yeah. Yeah, and does it be you place yourself in a in a vulnerable position? Because at that point, we can kick out, we can lash out. So Jesus is prepared to put himself in in harm's way to be to be subject to our tantrums and our disappointments, and be prepared to put up with that as he served and he washed our feet. We're at the mercy of the person we are serving at that place. So Dwight Earl Moody was a well-known American preacher. He invited some European visitors to come to, to America to be a part of, of uh, his household. And apparently the European tradition is that the visitors put their, their shoes outside and the servants come and clean their shoes, which apparently wasn't a common thing in America. And Dior was discovered late at night 
in the corridor cleaning the shoes of his guests who'd come to, to be a part of his life. What does that tell us? It tells us that leadership is serviced. And in fact, the Christian life, that their life as Christians is, is service. We're called to place ourselves in a place of vulnerability to empower and to advocate for the person that God's placed in front of those divine appointments. Those moments when we see, the, the, those moments when we just come across someone, we're called to do that, to serve, to empower, to advocate for them. I'm really interested in the fact that John... He records that part of the conversation, but he doesn't go back. Matthew and Mark record a story where he was trying to get his way to be the on the sit on the right hand side of God. Remember, he wanted to sit. Who are he asked? Can I sit on the left hand side? And my brother sit on the right hand side. There's James and John, the sons of thunder. But he didn't talk about that in his gospel. Paul, the Apostle Paul, often introduces himself as a bond, bond servant of Jesus. The concept of bond servants coming from in the slaves in Exodus, it records that they served for six years of service and then on the seventh year they were released, but they could choose to remain and be out of love for their master. And it talks about nailing their ear, using an awl to nail it through their ear to the doorpost. Of the, of the household had a love for their master. Friends, we pay a price to follow, but we do serve with a purpose. We serve with a purpose, and that is to allow other people to understand the love of Jesus in their place. There's lots of ways to serve, and maybe you have a gift, or maybe you don't you have any gift. Can I encourage you this morning to stir at that gift of urgent, that, that sense of urgency to think about that three years. What If I'm going to make a difference in the next three years, what things can I place into the church family? What can I to come and lay into this place? What can I bring to, to allow the message of Jesus to be imparted into this, into this community here in Murray Bridge? What can I do to serve right now which will allow us to change the, will change the, direct, change the trajectory of this church, this Bridge City Church. What can you do? Hospitality, gardening, visiting someone, painting the door, running the sound desk, vacuuming the floor. Maybe it's opening up your home and caring for people. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. And I can guarantee you that if you're faithful in the small things, you'll have an involvement in the big things. If you're faithful in those small things, you'll have a chance to be a part of the big things of, of God. Consistent and small incremental investments will always bring about transformation. Consistent and small incremental investments will always bring about transformation. And I really get the sense that we're on the edge of exciting times here in Murraybridge. Really, I get that. I get excited when I reflect on the prospect of what's happening here in this place and throughout the community. I really believe that God's at work. So practically speaking, what can I do that can leave a legacy in my family, in my church, in my community? Again, another question. Just reflect on those questions. What has eternal significance? And what is the wood, hay and stubble? What are the things that we can do without in our life? Let's reflect on those things. Because it can fill up so much of our life. 
Psalm 90, it says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Reflect on that. Number our days. In Ephesians, it talks about being circumspect with that so that we redeem our time wisely. It's a great word, circumspect. From every angle, examining everything. What does a feet washing show us? What's that picture of Jesus washing that servant leadership, bending down, washing those dirty feet? That we can't get ourselves clean under our own strength. We can't do it. We cannot do it under our own strength. Headstrong, impulsive Peter wasn't prepared to allow Jesus to wash his feet at that moment to deal with his grit and his grime. But what did Jesus say to him? Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simple. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Not unless you clean up your act, unless I wash you. What did the disciples heard up until then from the old covenant, from the law? Unless you're circumcised, keep the Sabbath, keep the hundreds of other laws that are built up on the top of the, of the Ten Commandments, you won't make it. You won't belong to me. What do we need? We need the unmerited, overpoweringly generous love of God to impact our life, to wash us clean every day. We're being saved every day. We're being redeemed every day as we do the journey together. Yeah. Yeah, we can make a decision, yet still struggle. We can be, but not to struggle to bear fruit in our life. We need to be prepared to lay our lives down. He's not a guest, just guest, a guest simply to be invited into our life. He is our life. Brothers and sisters, he is our life. Jesus is our life. In Galatians, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Simple as that this morning, guys. That's my, leave. That's my last thing I want you to reflect on, is that we must be washed. Let me pray as we finish. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, as Barb shared, that he came and was prepared to hang on that cross to allow us to be clean, to be able to be us to be washed, Father, so that we can be redeemed and can be acceptable in your sight, only through your son, Jesus. We thank you for that gift. Lord, we pray that we would redeem our time wisely. We would be circumspect in the way that we invest our time, Father. And we thank you that you promised that um, transformations in people's lives through your spirit. So we just pray, come and pray expectantly, the Father, that you would work in each person's life. I pray for each person here this morning that you would just continue to, to understand that they are washed in your blood, that they are made clean, they are made a new creation in that place of faith, Father. Not through what they do, not through what they strive to do in their own strength, but only through your spirit and acting in their life, Father. We thank you for that gift. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.